We are two-thirds of the way into the baseball season. The Mets are looking like they could possibly make a run. The Yankees don't seem to look like they could win a game. They are not looking like they're having any fun. But in the first half of the show, we concentrate on the Mets. And for that, I'm going to hand it off to John Perriente to start off this episode of Downtown Sports. I'm the mouth of the South, John Chavoni. My co-host is the Beast of the East, Jonathan Perriente. This is Downtown Sports. This is where sports come home. Beast, we got a very special guest to start off this all MLB two-hitter. Take it away, my friend. Thank you, John. As the Mets continue to make their run up the mountain in the National League, possibly closing in on a playoff spot, we're pleased to welcome a very special guest with us to help really get into the run the Mets are about to get on. Now, the Mets have had a very interesting and very tough number of days with the recent passing of the great Tom Seaver. And here to comment and join us to discuss this and the rest of the Mets season is the radio broadcaster for the New York Mets. We're pleased to welcome Wayne Randazzo to Downtown Sports. Wayne, thank you for taking some time to join us. How are you doing today? Hey, guys. I'm great. How are you? Doing well. Doing well. We're doing well. So uh, the first thing we want to get into is Tom Terrific. Tom the franchise, the death of Tom Seaver, a very sad day in Mets history for sure. What were your favorite moments or Tom Seaver moments while you've uh, been watching this team, growing up with this team? What moments from Tom Seaver really got to you, Wayne? Yeah, well, obviously uh, with, with my age, I wasn't really uh, alive or or watching Tom Seaver pitch. So it, it's, yeah. uh, it's, it's different to think about Tom Seaver for me because you think about him with the pantheon of the great players of all time. I mean, he's, he's an all-time icon. He's an all-time legend. Um, for me, you know, that generation of, of Hank Aaron and Willie Mays and some of the great Bob Gibsons and Sandy Koufaxes and, you know, Tom Seaver is – right up there with with all those guys when you when you think about pitching uh well he's one of the first names that that comes to mind i mean he's he's one of the icons one of the all-time greats from that era and really spanned two eras you know he was a part of of the 83 mets and and came back at a time when they were just starting to build up and and you know narrowly missed being a teammate of dwight goodens uh, in 1984 and uh probably should have been had he not been scooped up on the White Sox and left uh, unprotected to do so. Um, you know, I remember Tom as a broadcaster and, and as, a, as a guy who was very willing to, to pass along his, his wisdom. Um, you know, I got to the Mets in, in 2015, and he had already pretty much stopped uh, appearing at, in public, and he had, he had not been to City Field, I don't think, since the All-Star game in 2013. So, you know, kind of like what Jacob DeGrom said the other day, you know, I've never met Tom either. So it was, uh, you know, just someone whose shadow has loomed over the franchise, who is the franchise. And, um, you know, as, as far as, as the greatest Mets of all time, he, he will always be number one. And, you know, it was, it was a sad day in, in the history of the organization and, and a surprising day that Tom had passed. In addition to that, the Mets are going through a lot of changes in addition to what just happened with sadly the passing of Tom Seaver. Now uh, Mr. Cohen is closing in on the ownership of this team. The Will Ponds are – I think we're beginning to see that changing of the guard here. What do you think of Cohen 
when he takes over the Mets? And do you think he's an owner that's going to be that guy of, I want to build a winning product here, or is he just happy to take control of the Mets? And are we going to have like another Wilpon 2.0 here with, with Cohen? Well, you know, I think the Wilpon family uh, for 40 years has given as much as they could to the organization and, and to baseball. You know, they've, they've owned their team longer than, than any ownership group in, in baseball, and they've, they've served the game for, for four decades. Um, you know, as for Steve Cohen, you know, he, if, if you believe what you read about him, he's, he's a guy that uh, is competitive and, and has money to spend, and, and you hope that he puts it back in the ball club. And, you know, it could be an interesting regime change and, and all that comes with that. You know, how will the Mets approach off-seasons? How will they approach contract extensions? How will they approach, um, you know, as far as who will run their baseball operations even? You know, usually the first thing a new owner does is is make a change to bring in the guy they want to, to lead their team. And if there's a, a bigger budget to spend, you know, maybe the Mets – we'll have a new guy running that. So we'll, we'll just have to wait and see how things play out. But, you know, I, I understand that the fan base is excited about a, a change in ownership and, you know, we'll see if it, if it gets there, it's still not done yet. And it, it may not. You know, I've said the same thing, Wayne, I've said it to Mets fans this entire time. We've been talking about ownership change, whether it's a rod or JLo or Cohen or whoever else that I won't believe it until I see Fred Wilpon's left-handed signature on the dotted line transferring ownership of the team. Now, you talked about front office. Um, the trade deadline was something that really made Mets fans scratch their heads a little bit. But seems like so far, Todd Frazier putting on a Mets uniform looked like, looking like a world beater again. Um, when he came, got, what was it, three or four hits the day he uh, first put on a Mets uniform again in City Field? Yeah, he had, a, he had a good game, three extra base hits. But, you know, I, I think people have a hard time understanding what clubhouse camaraderie does and what it means to the players. And, you know, this was a group that last year had a lot of that. We saw a, a very togetherness in the second half of the season that I don't know that we necessarily saw in the first half of this year. And, you know, the one main ingredient missing from that was Todd Frazier. So, uh, the Mets decided to bring him back. You know, they needed some they needed some right-handed power off the bench as well. It's not like it was just for clubhouse reasons. You know, he's, he is a good third baseman. He does have power from the right side. So uh, that those were things the Mets needed as well. And he's versatile. He can play first base if you need him to. He can play second base if you really needed him to. And he can even play the outfield. So, uh, you know, Todd is a guy who can move around and, and help out. But you know, especially with the way that Alonzo had been struggling and, and McNeil and some of these guys that, that weren't bouncing back from last year, you know, those kinds of things can help. And, and in an empty stadium, there's not a lot of noise coming from the dugout, but Todd Frazier will single-handedly change that. So it, it's he's an interesting mix for this team. And, you know, I, I think that clubhouse camaraderie does go a long way in, in helping build a winner. Plus, they got Robinson Chirinos, who I know has struggled this year, but has had a very good career as a major league catcher. Also a very well-liked, well-respected guy. You, know, you think back to when Texas was a, a team that was pretty good in the middle of this decade and, and going to the playoffs most years. You know, he was their catcher, and he was the guy who, who led them. And, um, you know, as, as much as Adrian Beltre got credit for being a clubhouse leader, you know, Chirinos was probably right there in lockstep with him. So, 
he's a good pickup as well. And, and I think the Mets are, are a better team now than they were then. Talking with Wayne Randazzo, the radio voice of the New York Mets. With Todd Frazier back in the lineup, and it seems like now the Met lineup really has picked it up with the offense. And, and now they're starting to really make their move now here. They're still five games out of the final playoff spot. They're five in the loss side out of the final playoff spot, only because the Marlins had got hit with COVID. Do you see the Mets making a run here in the latter stages of the season and maybe finding a way to get themselves into the playoffs? It seems like now the offense has started to really pick up. Alonzo has been starting to swing the bat a little better. McNeil's been picking it up a little bit. Has Todd, how much has Todd Frazier's presence really helped to really get the Mets back into this race? Yeah, like I said, I think I think Frazier is is just a, a big big voice in that room, and I think that does help. But you know, as far as the offense goes, you know, they've scored forty eight runs in the last six games. This was a team that was going to hit. I think what happened early in the season with runners in scoring position—that's really a, a fluky, unpredictable thing. It, it doesn't it doesn't predict the future. Uh, when you struggle with runners in scoring position, that's that's really more coincidence than anything else. And now that the Mets are not doing that, they're just hitting the way they normally do when there aren't men on base. And this is a team that can really rake. I mean, up and down the lineup, this is a strong offensive team. And we're seeing that with what they need is their pitching to match what the hitting is doing. And the pitching has struggled badly. Uh, you know, we saw them win a couple of games against the Phillies on days where they got good starting pitching. Seth Lugo. And Jacob DeGrom, you know, tonight's Michael Waka, and, and the Mets need him to step up. Yesterday was David Peterson not, not throwing the ball well, got them into an early hole. So, yeah, it was great to see the offense come back. But you remember it was 5 nothing in the second inning. That's, that's why they lost the game. You know, plus the bullpen is, is still not exactly reliable and stable. Uh, Edwin Diaz has stabilized. He looks as good as he, as he ever has. But, you know, Familia still is, is on shaky ground. You know, Miguel Castro has come in, and he hasn't been all that helpful. Um, so they, they need some of these guys to, to pitch better. And I, I think if they can get some, some decent pitching down the stretch here, well, there's only 18 games left. And they'll need to win about 11 of these. I mean, there's, there's not much room to spare, uh, as they are a couple of games out of the playoff spot here. And if you realistically think that 500 should be good enough, well, they'll need to go 11-7 and seven in their last 18 games to get to 500. So... They've got some work to do, and, and if they can pitch a little better, it's, it's possible they can do it. Talking with Wayne Randazzo, he is the play-by-play radio voice of the New York Mets on WCBS 880 Radio, along with Howie Rose. Now, I wanted to focus on something that I don't think is getting a lot of attention in the media. The season that Michael Conforto is having so far, he looks like he has just blossomed into the hitter that we've all wanted to see seven home runs 26 rbis hitting 348 the guy's been a world beater this year well yeah i think it's just a a guy who's who's finally reaching his potential i remember talking with him last year uh while he was having a good but not great year but a very solid year and he just felt a little bit underwhelmed by his own performance he knew that he could give more and when, when i saw him in spring training this year in march he looked like he was in better shape than he'd ever been. He looked like he was ready to take on everything. And, you know, unfortunately, he wasn't able to actually go out there and do that. But what he has done is stay in great shape. 
and given his all here in the last six weeks of, of what's been this season. And, yeah, he's, he's looked terrific, and he's, he's got a shot to, to win the batting title. He's among the league leaders in uh, many categories, and, and I think that he's finally developed into that player that uh, everybody thought he could be. So, you know, for me, he's a guy who should get some MVP votes. He's a guy who should be thought of as one of the leaders of this team and one of the core of this team moving forward. And, you know, whoever's in charge of uh, running the Mets here pretty soon, uh, I think one of their first moves, if not their very first move, should be to try to find a way to keep Michael Conforto long-term. Uh, we'll get you out of here, Wayne, on this final question. Who has been the biggest surprise right now on this Mets team? It's been – we've seen a lot of different people step up. Who, for you, has really stood out this year in this shortened 2020 season? Well, you know, you look at Dominic Smith, who leads the majors in doubles and is among the OPS leaders and among the RBI leaders. I mean, those numbers uh, are eye-popping, and, and they might seem surprising because he wasn't considered even to be a starting player for them going into the season. But anybody who knows Dom uh, knows that, that this was all there for him and he was capable of doing this. So uh, that might be a, a popular answer, but I don't think it's him. I, I do think it's Andres Jimenez because, you know, we, we, don't, we didn't know much about his bat. You know, we were told that he was improving over the last year or so, that he was getting stronger, that he was trying to become a, a major league offensive player. And he's still not going to be, at this point, a guy who's going to hit for a ton of power. But he's getting his base hits. You know, he's able to spray the ball around. He's got great speed. He's one of the fastest players on the team right there with Rosario. And his defense has just been uh, on a much different level than anything we've seen from the Mets, probably at shortstop since, like, Ray Ordonez. I mean, he's, he's as good as, as the Mets have had at that position in the last 15 years. And... You know, it's it's different to watch. And, and you put that with Dom at first base, and you start to see a team that's just a lot better defensively than, than it's been. And, and the Mets need that. They, they need a team who can pick the ball up. You just never you – can, you cannot quantify what defense means to a team. You know, think about just yesterday. First pitch in the fourth inning, and a ball is, is lined at Dom, and he makes a short hop pick, and there's one out. Next pitch is, is lined towards short, and Jimenez makes a leaping catch. There's two outs. Well, let's say it's, it's two different guys with those positions, and that turns into a double down the first baseline and a base hit to left center to score one run, and there's a guy on with nobody out, and there's already a run home. Who knows how much that inning is going to unravel from there. Instead, it was a 1-2-3 inning, and you can't really, any defensive metric that's there in the world, all it does is kind of put things into a perspective into some sort of an average, but that could have been a five-run inning. You don't know how that would have unraveled on the pitcher if those two plays had gotten through. And it's, it's that kind of defense that you need that you cannot even really quantify that, that helps the team win long, in the long run. We're talking with Wayne Randazzo, play-by-play voice of the New York Mets on WCBS 880 Radio. Really quickly, if you were to give the Mets a letter grade so far for how they've handled COVID this season, what would it be? Well, I mean, I think they've done a good job. Yeah, I think um, it's it's tough. To, I don't know what happened with Tomas Nito and, and Gary DiCercina and how they got it down to Miami. 
obviously there's been a lot more cases in Miami than in most places. So I don't know, somebody could have been in the clubhouse that had it and passed it to them. Even with all the, you know, trouble they're going through and all the protections they're taking, you just don't know how it can spread. So I think they've done a good job. You know, Tomas is back playing at Brooklyn. Gary Isarcina is coaching again. And and they're they're whole, you know. It's 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 not a situation. Did not turn into a situation like what the Marlins and the Cardinals had. So uh, that's a good thing. You know, those those happened early on in the season. And we really haven't seen. Hopefully, we won't. And and we really haven't seen any teams have have a situation like that. So Mets have done a really good job. I think for the most part, baseball has done a really good job. You know, for all the people that said they shouldn't play or they should cancel the season or whatever. Um, you know, I think baseball proved that, that there was a way to do this and they've been able to do it. And I, I do think we'll see a playoff bubble, which I think will help uh, just because you, you can't risk any outbreaks in the playoffs because that will just damage everything, the, the entire schedule. And, um, you know, the playoff money is, is so robust. That's really why they even did this to begin with. So um, I do think we'll see that. And I think that there's you know, a, a very high chance and very likely chance that, that baseball will finish its season and crown champion at the end of the year. All right. Wayne Randazzo, the radio voice of the New York Mets. Well, hopefully the Mets can get on this run, get themselves into the playoffs. We're about 19 games left to go in the season. Wayne, thank you so much for your time and uh, best of luck to you. And hopefully the Mets will have a great run coming up here in the last month of the year. Okay, guys. Thanks a lot. Appreciate it. No problem. Thank you, Wayne. And um, hopefully we'll get you on if they uh, hit the postseason or towards the end of the season. So that was Wayne Randazzo, play-by-play voice of the New York Mets. You can hear him alongside Howie Rose tonight at 7.10 p.m. on WCBS 880 Radio, where the Mets will be hosting the Baltimore Orioles at 7.10 p.m. Back after this. And we're back to downtown sports. Want to thank Wayne Randazzo for joining us in the first half of our show. I'm Jonathan Periente, the beast of the East, alongside my co-host, the mouth of the South, John Schiavone. And uh, mouth, uh, tell our listeners where they can hear us on downtown sports. All right. You can hear us on Anchor, Breaker, Spotify, Radio Public, Pocket Cast, Overcast, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, CastBox, and Bullhorn. You can hear us every Tuesday and Wednesday live with rants, shows, episodes, everything you need. We got you because we're downtown sports and we are where sports come home. And I got a little bit more administrative work to do. We told you last week that we are looking to get on Twitch TV. Our announcement will come in a couple of weeks because we've discovered that there's a lot more market research we need to do before we put our channel up on Twitch TV, but it's coming. Stay tuned. We'll get you more info about that as we learn it and as that goes along. And also, I want you to pay attention later today because this is the only episode we're dropping. We're going to be doing an all-NBA two-hitter as well, released later in the day, where we're going to be interviewing Noah Eagle the play-by-play voice of the Los Angeles Clippers. So you're going to want to tune in to our second full episode that we're posting up this week 
But for right now, we got to finish off this two-hitter. And for that, I'm going to take it to the Beast of the East and our downtown sports MLB top 10. Uh, thanks. We want to thank Crystal Large for sending us our newly updated top 10. And definitely some big changes on this one. Beginning at number 10, you have the Toronto Blue Jays. Okay. And you know what? Not wrong about that. The Blue Jays have started to heat up. And all of a sudden now, they've taken over the Yankees for second place in the American League East. I'm going to get to the Yankees later on because we have a lot to disclose about them. But this Blue Jays team is starting to come into its own now. The young kids are finally beginning to carry the team. Kevin Biggio, Vladimir Guerrero Jr., Lourdes Gurriel Jr., Randall Grichik. This team, and Hunjin Ryu is actually a very quietly good addition for this Jays staff. They're slowly beginning to really climb up the mountain. So the Jays at number 10 makes sense. Number nine, the Braves. They've fallen down a little bit. They've been struggling a little bit. And now a bad injury. Max Fried now has landed on the injured list with spasms. Freed was, was the player that was holding the Braves together yeah, while Acuna yeah. was out. So now, now I guess Freed it's Acuna's turn. And now Freed is hurt. So now you have a very unsure rotation. You have you have Ronald Acuna, you have Dansby Swanson, you have Marcelo Zuna now who have to really carry this lineup. And the Braves are going to have to find some ways to win with their bullpen in addition to their starting staff. That's how they're going to have to stay afloat in that National League East. But that starting staff is uh, – it's looked better than a lot of people thought it would. Anderson yeah. specifically, that guy could – Ian Anderson, I mean, my goodness. Ooh, my God, do you see the action on that two-seamer? It's literally 94. All right, number eight. We're not going to look – okay, I'm just going to say this straight away. Number eight should not be on this list right now. It yeah, should number be. Eight, number eight is well, the not, well, no, not, not Later. Number eight doesn't exist. We'll talk about number eight in a minute. Number seven. <laughs> Number eight, the Yankees. I don't know why they they're there. Sense. I feel like they shouldn't even be in the top ten right now, the way this they, team's not hitting. Oh, and we'll get to that in a little bit. Number yeah. seven. Oakland A's. They've fallen down a little bit. The A's did win over the Astros yesterday, 5 nothing. They're still a very good hitting team. They have a lot of depth. And the additions they made in the trade deadline are going to make this team a lot more dangerous. I'm telling you now, Oakland's not to sleep on. Number six, the Minnesota Twins. They've kind of fallen down a little bit. The, the Tigers have been giving them a tougher run than I think we thought they would. The mm-hmm. White Sox have just outplayed this whole AL Central. The Indians. The White Sox are, are the biggest surprise of this MLB season. No I mean, they shouldn't be. They shouldn't be because for years this team's had the tools and they've looked like they had the pieces starting to form together, starting to come into place. We were just waiting for the development to happen. And that's what happened with them. But number five, we got the San Diego Padres. Padres makes sense. Yeah, second in the NL West, like I said. They actually lost a game to the Dodgers this week instead of gaining games after their big moves at the trade deadline. But that's because the Dodgers have just been – They still have some meetings with the Dodgers left. The Dodgers did lose their first series this year. So maybe this could be the opening for the Padres to make a run at them. Number four – Yeah, I I agree with that. Number four, Cleveland Indians. Makes sense. They're a very powerful team. They have great pitching. Even without Clevenger, they're – Their pitching is – They have enough depth in this rotation. They have so much depth that it doesn't hurt them. Number and then three. number three, I White Sox. Love that. Love it. Makes Abreu, sense. I called him to be one of the best players to ever come out of Cuba. Look at what he's doing this season. And if he keeps this up, might end up being the best player to ever come out of Cuba. Really will. Number two, the Tampa Bay Rays. So, you know, the, the Rays 
little bit of lost a couple of games, but the Rays staff is still very good. Charlie Morton came back about a week ago, so that really helps bolster that rotation. Tyler Glasnow on the back end of it is dangerous. And that whole bullpen, that whole bullpen of theirs is just insane. When you play the Rays, you cannot be in a low-scoring game with this team. You no. get in a low-scoring game, they will find a way to win. That's how good they are. And let me just say this straight away. credit where it's due. Kevin Cash has done a great job. Willie Adamas, Yanni Diaz have really carried this club. Brandon Lau. It's a great, great team. Let me just say this straight away, right? Straight away. The Rays look like that team that have all the magic around them right now. The stardust, as uh, Steve Summers would say. Um, They look like they have this magical aura around them that they finally put everything together. Rays look really good. I I don't see a team in the AL that could take them down right now. Except maybe could it be in the World Series? Our number one is the Dodgers. Well, no surprise. Two losses in two weeks. Only 12 losses losses in two weeks. Crazy. That's what death will do for you, John. Death will do that for you. When Clayton Kershaw can carry the team like he does, Walker Bueller came back from injury. That's big. This whole lineup with Corey Seager at the helm and not even having Justin Turner. He's out injured, and his team is still hitting. Let me just say this, though. I'd like to apologize to Chris DeLarge, to Shane Sullivan, our engineer. For multiple weeks, I made fun of the Dodgers being put number one on this list. I have nothing to say anymore. This team's looking like it's going to win 46 games. The Dodgers are owning this 60-game season. And now we're going to go back to number eight. Because, yeah, I've talked about about a team that's not owning the 60-game season and, uh, quite frankly, may not even make the playoffs right now because they're playing this bad. If this keeps up, yeah. The Yankees. Unbelievable. I don't know what's happened to this team. I'll tell you what happened. They've lost 15 out of 19. Their bullpen's imploded. Adovino can't throw strikes. I never saw Adovino melt down like that last night. Never. Mr. I could strike out Babe Ruth in his prime can't throw a strike anymore. Yeah. He couldn't even strike out Jansen in his prime. He gave up a grand slam to a late hitting catcher. No. No, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. I'll give you, I'll give you one even better. Chapman's been horrible. Britain's been okay. And the one piece of that bullpen that I said at the start of the year, who I said was the second best arm in that pen, you are seeing and feeling the loss of Kingsley. Seriously. It was a big loss. Kingsley really hurt. You are feeling the loss of Kingsley seriously, you are feeling that loss because he's the one guy that Aaron Boone could put into the game in any situation. Nobody on, he's cool. Two on, two out, he's fine. Bases loaded, one out, beautiful. He's good. He's got like that steel spine that just doesn't break. Britain's got that a little bit too, but The problem is with a lot of these Yankee pitchers, and I'm going to get to the point of this right now. They rely on a lot of their off-speed pitches to try to get hitters to chase. And now you're starting to see what happens when batters are not biting on their breaking stuff. So now you've heard Adovino, you've heard him come forward yesterday saying, well, maybe teams just know what we're throwing them. Maybe kind of making an inclination that 
are they cheating just like the Astros are? Maybe are we tipping our pitches perhaps? Adovino made a whole little piece about it last night when he was interviewed by the media. And this just tells me that like the ship is starting to crumble if you're in the Yankees clubhouse right now. And there's a lot of, I think these were like quiet problems that were kind of beginning to bubble up at the surface now that maybe we didn't know about early on. But for a team that started 16 and six and now is 21 and 20, the Orioles are right breathing down their neck to pass them for the number eight spot right now. The Can Orioles. I say something? Please. Who'd have thought whether COVID was going to happen or not, right? Who would have thought that this statement would be factual? This statement that I'm about to say, okay? Mm-hmm. It is currently September 8th. The Yankees are beginning a very important series to secure their run at second place in the American League East versus the Blue Jays, who are ahead of them. And then you're looking to the New York Mets to take out the Baltimore Orioles so that they don't surpass you in the standings and become the eighth seed. Crazy. If I would have put five cents on, I'm going to say that statement in September back in, let's say, January, you know, uh, before all this COVID stuff happened, if I put five cents on that, I would have received a 10 million percent return on Vegas odds and I'd be a billionaire right now. <sighs> wow, pretty bold. Because there is no way in hell the Yankees should be 21 and 20. By the way, they've completely blown my prediction for them this season. Yeah, you said they have 20 losses. Well, now they have 20 losses now. Well, yeah, they have 20 losses. I just thought they'd have, they'd have 20 losses in October, not September. I didn't expect them to have a similar record to the Mets. The Mets are 19 and 23. They're in third place in their division. The Yankees are 21 and 20. They're in third place in their division. Who's better? Who's worse? I don't know. Let me tell you something, though. Garrett Cole has not been what was advertised. And I think that's one of your biggest problems. Garrett Cole can't pitch a big game anymore. Early on, he was 4-0 to start the year, and then boom. And then when pressure comes, he implodes. But that's not the picture we saw in Houston. I mean, I thought they were banging the garbage cans to let them know uh, the opponent's signs. I didn't know uh, if you bang the garbage can twice, uh, they're expecting a slider. No. Garrett Cole's a better pitcher than this, but he's – three runs in a big game is not good enough. Not for a man who's being paid over $300 million. What also boggles my mind, and, you know, I've been seeing this also in the last week or two of this slump, how Aaron Boone is managing this team. It really, it really, I hate to say this as a Yankees fan, but I have to say it. It really, really hurts. Okay, John. It's okay, John. 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 I just need to tell you something, John. It's okay. It's okay. Shane, we're just going to get that clock. We're going to put four minutes and about 15 seconds on it. Okay? It's all right, John. We're going to. We're going to deal with this together, okay? You had to help me 
last week. I have to help you now. Bring it out. It's okay. I, I know this is... Get that... You know what? I think this doesn't call for a 180, does it? Oh, I can't hide it anymore. I can't. Shane, start the clock. Ugh. Aaron Boone, you have single-handedly imploded this team. All of a sudden, DJ Omehu was hitting almost 400. I'm going to sit him down. I'm going to put Tyler Wade, who's hitting a buck 80 in the lineup. I'm going to have him bat in his spot. He goes, oh, I need to give LeMahieu a day off. Oh, we're in a playoff spot. Uh, I figure, you know, eh, we'll make a run, whatever. Okay, Flavor Torres comes back during the Baltimore series. Dude that hits Baltimore better than anyone. He plays one game. Sit him down next game. Tyler Wade is starting instead of Glaber Torres. Oh, but then we bring in Glaber to, to pinch hit in a spot, you know, because, hey, we may have a chance to win. We only need one shot, right? You lose the game anyway. And then... Oh my goodness gracious. Against the Blue Jays last night, you thought you had the winning formula in place. Oh yeah. You go to your big guns. You go to Chad Green. You go to Adamino. What happens? 29 pitches later from Chad Green, he walks three batters, four runs, only one of them earned. Okay. You bring in Adovino. You figure things couldn't get worse, right? Six runs on four hits. Those two pitched a combined third of an inning. Blue Jays end up scoring 10 runs. You give up a grand slam to a light-hitting catcher. This team, in the last 15 games, now I'm not even bringing up that series they blew to the Mets. I'm not even bringing up that terrible series where Chapman couldn't close the door. J.D. Davis homers off him. Pete Alonso homers in the 10th inning. I smiled so much that I know day. Yeah, I know. It was, you know, important night. Tom Seaver, I get it. You know, Mets had a little uh, miracle in them that night. Great. Okay, fine. But the rest of it, to score one run against the Orioles, against a rookie pitcher you never face, unacceptable. To lose 6-3 in a second game doubleheader, get three hits, don't even produce a hit after like the fifth inning and score no runs against a lightweight hitting Oriole team that you won 19 in a row against. And now the Orioles have a chance to pass them. I'm sorry, Aaron Boone. And I hope management is paying notice to this. I think Aaron Boone has got to get let go. This team, I think, just has lost all fire hitting for him. They wow. just don't seem like they want to win this with him now. I am just not seeing the Yankees playing with any urgency. But 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 what about uh, Tanaka and his performances? What about uh... Tanaka's been great. I don't have a problem with Tanaka. It's not Tanaka I'm worried about right now. The bullpen's imploded. The rest of the lineup. Gary Sanchez hitting a buck thirty. Unacceptable. Judge hurt. Sanchez, Hurt. Right? <laughs> but they replaced Sanchez, right? With who? Eric Kratz. Who had Eric Kratz, a forty-year-old veteran. Adashioka, eh, 25 years old, but can he hit like Sanchez? No, no, no. This whole Yankee team right now has got to take a good look in the mirror about who they are right now. 
and there's going to be a lot of things happening in the offseason with this club. You're going to see a lot of people getting let go. I'm telling you now, the bullpen is going to have to get looked at again. I don't think the Yanks are going to sign Judge to an extension the way he keeps getting hurt. Stanton has to be let go. He can't stay healthy. Gary Sanchez, I'm about on my last rope with him. Brett Gardner, his time, look, he's had a great career, but the old horses have to be let out to pasture. It's time. This team needs an overhaul. And this is the, sadly, I'm sorry this had to be the year to do it, but it's frustrating to watch. Yankee season, ladies and gentlemen, is over. I don't see this team getting in. I don't. You're calling them not making the playoffs. I don't think they're getting in. This team has not shown me the fight. It has not shown me the heart. It's not shown me the... Peace. It just hasn't shown me the willingness that they want to be here. I, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. No. There's no way this team doesn't make the playoffs. They, don't look, they do not look like... They haven't looked like a team that wants to be here. They're, they're, I mean, they look like up. the worst team in the league for the last they, couple of weeks. Everybody in this lineup, for the most part... Aaron Hicks is hitting 200. Gary, a buck 30. Gardner, a buck 80. Glaber Torres is hitting 240. You know what's funny? Your September looked like my early July. <laughs> yeah. This COVID virus has certainly uh, made an impact, all right. Somehow the, COVID virus, somehow the COVID virus has been the Mets vaccine, and it's been the Yankees pandemic. Well, the Mets are still worse than the Yankees. Don't don't feel that bad. We're not we're not at that point yet where we're going to say that the Mets are better than the Yankees. At but least of late, the Mets show like like, like they had a little fire in them. Came back from six nothing down. They could have easily blown that thrown that game away. Oh, well, 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 no, we did easily throw that game away with Familia. But here's the thing. So just to wrap up this little baseball episode of ours, I'll just say this: the race for eight is on now for the Mets that's was expected but for the Yankees the fact that you have to worry about the Baltimore Orioles and the Detroit Tigers and the Mariners they're coming behind them the Mariners even are coming from behind now this should make every Yankee fan sick to their stomachs and while I'm not necessarily of the opinion of Fire Boone right now. If they don't make the playoffs He's out. in a format He's where out. there's eight teams per league, He's out. not only is it Boone, but Cashman's seat might get a little bit hot as well. And with that, we're going to wrap up this edition of Downtown Sports. I am the mouth of the South, John Schiavone. That was my co-host, the Beast of the East, Jonathan Perriente. I want to thank our special guest, Wayne Randazzo, for coming on to the show. Beast, where can they hear us? We are available on 10 different platforms. You can listen to us on Anchor, Breaker, Spotify, Radio Public, Pocket Casts, Overcast, Google, and Apple Podcasts, CastBox, and Bullhorn. We are on every Tuesday, Wednesday with episodes and live rants every single week. Fans, we ask you to stay tuned. We will have a second special episode of downtown sports later on today an nba special we will have the son of the legendary Birdman, man no of iron eagle we're gonna have noah eagle joining us discussing the clippers we will discuss them and the nba playoffs here on downtown sports later today but for the mouth of the south 
for Shane Sullivan. I want to thank Crystal Large and Anthony Mainville. I'm Jonathan Pariente, the Beast of the East, saying goodbye. We out.